Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad, because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros and I am your host today. As I always say, thank you so much for finding some time in your busy day to spend with me. I am always honored because remember, time is that one commodity that you just can't get back. So today we're talking about exit strategies. What do you do when you get ready to sell your business? You know, you you heard the announcer talk about launching your business or building your business or starting a business. But you know, part of that plan should also include an exit strategy. Recently read an article that was talking about um, what to do when you want to exit a franchise. Does a franchise exit strategy enables a business owner to liquidate their interest in their franchise location or locations? Keep in mind that there are many franchise owners that have multiple units, multiple locations. Uh, And you want to do this, the article says, while it is still making a significant profit. And that's a key here. So today we're going to be talking to Terry Kiln, and he is with the the Sunbelt Business Brokers. Uh, Terry is the president of the Sunbelt Business Brokers Franchise Resale Program. So he's he's an expert in this. Sunbelt is the largest business brokers in North America. Uh, The Sunbelt Franchise Resales Program is significantly geared towards assisting franchise owners with their transition at the end of their business life cycle. So please help me in welcoming Terry to the show. Terry, welcome to the show today. Linda, thank you very much. It's it's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And you know, Terry, I don't think a lot of people think about selling their business once they get started because they're so excited and they see the potential. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about, first, what drew you to Sunbelt and what is it that you specifically do with them? Uh, well, great question. I, uh, I'm like a lot of your listeners who are who are franchisees in that uh, I worked in corporate America uh, for a long time and just decided at one point in time that it was time for me to do something a little bit more entrepreneurial. Uh, at the time, uh, I knew of a, of a friend who uh, actually had bought into the Sunbelt system. He owned a Sunbelt franchise location as a business broker. And so I contacted him to say, hey, what kind of opportunities do you have for sale that I might buy? Um, and he said, you know, he showed me a few businesses, but he said, hey, uh, you know, uh, I'm also on the board of directors of, of Sunbelt Corporate, and we're, we're just launching this new initiative in the Sunbelt network called Sunbelt Franchise Resales. 
And I had been exposed to franchising in one of my corporate jobs uh, for about seven years, so I had a little bit of background in franchising. But when he showed me the, you know, what the what the Sunbelt Franchise Resales objectives were and what they're all about, I'm like, this is this is for me. And it was a startup. They had uh, they had just uh, Sunbelt had just launched a program in in uh, March of 2003 and I came aboard in June of 2003 so it was uh, it was basically just like starting a brand new business a brand new franchise um so it was uh, it was exciting and it had all the uh you know all the elements of uh you know uh, exhilaration and fear and uh the unknown and all that stuff so it was uh, it was really uh really an interesting time and uh I have no regrets I've loved it ever since and like I mentioned before um at the top of the show um, people really do need to think about that exit strategy. And I'm not talking about having it um, perfectly written out, designed when you purchase the franchise, but you might want to have an idea because, to be honest with you, Terry, few of the kids want to take over the family business, even if it's a franchise. Is that right? It's so true. Um, you know, about about less than 25% of, of uh, franchises go to uh, second generations or key employees. Mm-hmm. So most of them are going to go a different route as far as the, the transition goes. And, and, and look, I, I understand. I mean, you know, as a business owner myself, I, I, I totally get that you are laser focused. You're so worried about, you know, opening the doors today and, and, and handling all the issues and, and, and customers and staff and everything else that it's so easy to, to just say, well, I'm not selling for 10 years or I'm not selling for, you know, 18 years. So I'm not even going to look at that yet, right? It's, it's just, it's just an easy thing for an owner to, to just step past and say that will be down the road. But it is also a truism to say that, you know, the things that you do in your business today are going to affect your sales price tomorrow. And, you know, uh, a lot of franchisors, you know, take the approach with their franchisees when, when they're buying into the, into the franchise that they want to talk to them about making sure that they're at least thinking about an exit. Uh, even if that exit is 20 or 30 years down the road because it, it's, uh, you know, selling your business, especially a franchise, it's a process. It's not an event. And it takes some time to coordinate it. And, it, you know, if you're doing things right along the way, when you get to that point of, of wanting to sell your business, um, you know, then you're going to be in a much better position. And the old adage is, you know, uh, you should run your business every day like you're going to sell it tomorrow because mm-hmm. one day you will be right. Mm-hmm. And you really never know what life event can happen. Um, I recently met a gentleman who had a franchise in Florida. And his health deteriorated, and he had to move to Arizona. So he had to sell his business. Now, that was not 30 years later. So that no, exactly right. can change things. What you change your plans on a dime, can't they? And you think about health, you think about you know, divorce, you think about partnership breakups, um, you, you know, just things like that that could alter the you know your your 10 year plan or your 20 year plan and make it a one year plan right mm-hmm. and when that happens Linda it's so important that you've been taking the steps necessary to get your business in great shape to to be uh, you know a marketable commodity to maximize the value of your business and so yeah you you just don't know what life's going to throw at us at any given time so again uh, to be prepared for that inevitable it it's you know if you run your business like you're going to sell it today even if you don't sell it for 20 years I think you're going to be in great shape. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at the other side of this transaction, Terry. Someone that's actually wanting to purchase a a resale franchise. Talk to me a little bit about how you match people up with that and why they might consider it. I don't know that people understand that that's an actual option for them. Yeah, and it's a it's a and, and for some for several people it's a great option. Um, you know, one of the one of the things to to look at when you deciding to become an entrepreneur, whether you're going to buy a new franchise business or buy a resale, is what's your you know what's your need for for cash flow right away, right? When you open up a new franchise. Um, you know, you're going to go through a process. You have to, you know, go through the, find the right franchise, number one, and that can take several months. Um, but then once you sign the dotted line, now you have to do the site location and the build out and things like that. And, and, and unless you're opening a restaurant, which, you know, typically has, you know, results right away, um, you know, if you're opening up any kind of service business or whatever, now you have to build a clientele. And so, you know, the ramp to get to profitability can be, three months, it can be 18 months, right? It can take a long time. So um, with, the, with the purchase of a franchise resale, you get the benefit of already, you know, skipping the process of having to do the build out. It's already there. You see the equipment that you have, and most importantly, you see the results, right? You know what these businesses, what the business is doing from a revenue standpoint. You know what this business is doing from an owner benefit standpoint. And so you can walk into a business tomorrow once you sign on the dotted line, and you can be making money, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the real appeal for a lot of people is, I don't, who don't want to go through the process of ramping up and who have a need meet for cash flow. A lot of our buyers, Linda, come to us and look, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're corporate refugees. They're walking away from a nice paying job yeah. and they got, you know, they got the 2.4 kids in private school. They got two car payments. They got a mortgage. They want to, they want to buy a business that's going to allow them to continue to live the lifestyle they're living or better that lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. So they're looking to buy cash flow. So mm-hmm. that is the, you know, that is the number one difference between, you know, the, the opening up a franchise versus buying a, a franchise resale. Now, many people, when they come to us, they really don't know what they want to buy, right? They, they know mm-hmm. that they have an income they want to replace, and they, they have some idea about the kind of life they want to live. So this is where a business broker really comes into play. We, you know, think of us as, uh, you know, Match.com for, for buyers and, uh, and sellers of businesses, right? We're, we're going we're gonna to put the buyer through some, some interviews. We're going to find out what their financial capabilities are. We're going to find out what their lifestyle goals are. We're going to find out what their skill set and their passions are. And we're going to show them businesses that we think are going to, you know, fuel those passions, meet those skill sets, meet those financial obligations, and more importantly, meet that lifestyle. And I will tell you that if we show somebody a business that, you know, meets all those criteria, like lifestyle, passion, uh, financial capabilities, uh, the, the industry or the franchise is almost secondary at that point, right? Because mm-hmm. now they're like, okay, I can get everything I really want out of business out of, out of this industry or out of this franchise. And in many cases, they never thought about that franchise before or that business before or that industry before. So it, the broker does a, does a yeoman's job and, like I said, playing match.com type of uh, you know, stuff with the buyer and the seller to, to really find that, that right fit for the buyer. And when that fit is found, that's when the magic happens. And, you know, Terry, um, it really doesn't matter what the widget is. 
Um, exactly. You know, it, it really doesn't um, because you can have one industry that maybe somebody is very passionate about and maybe it's not as profitable. Maybe the margins are not there in that industry. But if they look at another industry that does have the margins in it, then they can always use that money to support their passion in other ways. People get hung up on their passion. And, and I just really want to let people know that if you have the right business and the right widget that can afford you to possibly do uh, make contributions in the area that you are actually passionate, then you may be doing a lot more good than if you try to purchase a franchise in that industry. Well said. And again, you get back to also, you know, getting back just to the core value of a franchise, right? So we show somebody a business, they call in on one business and we fair, we, you know, we find out it's not a good fit from a lifestyle. We show them another mm-hmm. business and they're like, well, wow, I never thought about that industry. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. They can still go into that industry because that's the, you know, that's the magic of franchising, right? You get the, you get the training, you get the support, uh, you know, you get the manuals, you get all of that, that comes with buying a franchise business. So in many cases, you don't have to have intimate knowledge about that industry. Yeah. You just got to know that it's a good fit for you from a, from a, you know, a lifestyle standpoint, a financial standpoint, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, Terry, when someone is looking at a, a franchise resale, what is what are their obligations to the franchisor? Do that does that transfer to to them? Do they receive the same training that the original franchisee received? Yeah, so uh, great question, and, and it, it, it does vary by franchise. Um, every franchise is a little bit different in how they handle their resales protocols, but for the most part, um, when you're buying a franchise resale, you are buying the, the assets of the location, and you are buying the right to also have a license of that franchise company, okay? Um, but that, that right uh, has to be approved. So any franchisee that's looking to sell their business, at some point in time, you're going to bring your buyer to the franchisor, and the franchisor is going to put them through the exact same process that they put you when you went and bought the new franchise through. They're going to, they're going to disclose the FDD to them. Uh, they're going to walk them through a discovery day, whether it be live or, or over the Internet, um, and they're going to ask for a lot of information from the buyer to make sure the buyer is you know, financially capable of, 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 the, of the business. Um, maybe they have some other requirements from an education standpoint or whatever. So they're going to make sure all those boxes get checked. So from that standpoint, it's, it's very similar. And then once the buyer you know, ends up buying the business, the training then is also it's just like a brand new franchise. They're going to go through the exact same training, get the exact same support. Um, it, it's up to the franchise on whether or not they're going to sign a new franchise agreement or if they're going to assume the seller's franchise agreement. Again, different franchises do it differently. Um, but from a training and support standpoint, they're going through everything just like they would be if they bought a brand new franchise. And how does that impact the franchise fee? Do they have to pay a new franchise fee or uh, is that depend upon the franchisor as well? It does depend on the franchisor, but I will tell you of the of the uh, over 100 different brands that I work with, uh, 95% of those brands uh, have what's called a transfer fee. 
And that transfer fee is typically a lot less than a new franchise fee, and the transfer fee allows them to take over or get a new contract uh, from the franchisor to run that location. Now, there are a handful of franchises that I work with that uh, even on a resale, they charge a brand-new franchise fee, but those are definitely the exceptions, not the rule. Typically, it is a transfer fee that the buyer will pay uh, or the seller will pay, and sometimes it's negotiated between the two of them who's actually going to pay that, Uh, but it's a transfer fee that's paid, and that transfer fee is usually less than a new franchise fee. Okay, very good. Now, when when uh, someone is looking at uh, a resale, a franchise resale, what uh, are the funding options any different for them than it would be for a startup franchise? Yeah, this is a, this is one that gets a little bit uh, difficult to explain sometimes, especially to sellers. Um, you know, the the banking system in the in the U.S really loves franchising and and really loves the dream, right? So many franchisors that are out there, if you're looking at opening a brand new franchise, you can go to a bank and get an SBA loan, right? And that's Mm -hmm. before you open your doors, they're going to, they're going to fund the dream. They're going to fund the transaction. But once you, once you flip the switch on the the light switch on and that, and that is no longer a dream, but it's an ongoing concern. Now the funding gets a little bit more predicated on how well the business is performing. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I tell people all the time the hardest business to sell um, is the franchise business that's been open for less than two years because no bank will fund a franchise business resale that hasn't at least have a, at least a two to three year um, you know history mm. so the bank can yeah. see what the trends are in sales and profits and things like that right yeah. so the funding gets a little bit more convoluted it also gets convoluted if you're kind of up and down right um, you know we saw this a little bit with COVID especially you know some businesses really you know went crazy high some businesses went crazy low um, and so the banks got a little nervous about that, right? Um, so if your if your revenues are inconsistent year to year, that's going to hurt your ability to get a to, to get a deal funded. But if you can show steady or incremental growth every year, and you show good bottom line profits, those businesses are funded just like new franchises. Yeah, banks line up for them. The SBA gets involved, and uh, you know you can get into a good franchise resales for for you know 10% down on most cases. And there are some cases of franchises where you can get in for less than that. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great option provided the business is a good business. Right. Well, you mentioned that sometimes it's kind of hard to explain to sellers. What are some of the other um, oversights, I guess I would say, that sellers make when, uh, when they're trying to sell their franchise? Well, the number one thing that we see, uh, Linda, is uh, sellers, you know, tend to value their business higher than the market values. And 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 I tell every seller, look, I understand it. I mean, it's your blood, your sweat, your tears, your 70-hour weeks, your you know, your your credit card financing to get through the the, the tough times, etc. You know, the business is always going to mean more to you as the you know who who has owned it and operated it for 20 years than it is for somebody looking from the outside in, right? The unfortunate reality is buyers really don't don't care uh, that you spent, you know, 70 hours a week in the business or don't care that you had to finance it on your credit card for a two-year period when business was low. Uh, they don't care that you broke your hand moving a machine. None of that matters to them. What matters to them is how is the business performing in the recent three or four years. That's what they're looking at, right? So, 
uh, sellers typically have a higher value uh, in mind for their business than what the market's going to bear. And it's very difficult to, you know, to have those conversations to say, you know what, I know you think it's worth this, but really in reality, here's what we think it's going to, it's going to come in at. But, you know, we're not just guessing at that, right? I mean, we, we use statistics. We, we have, uh, you know, Sunbelt's been in business for 45 years. We also subscribe to uh, other uh, broker aggregate sites. So we, we, we see transitions of small businesses in all industries, all different franchises. So we have a pretty good idea what these things sell for. Uh, especially when you think consider that you know Sunbelt's got 150 offices in, across North America, so we we understand the local market as well, right? Uh, because multiples may vary based on geography. So we're going to give them an honest assessment, and we're going to do that up usually on the front end, right? We're going to tell them up front we don't want any surprises. So anybody who's listening who's thinking about selling their business, they can call me. I'll t- I'll give them a value range for no no cost, no obligation, so at least they have an idea of what the real market is for their business. Um, but that's the number one thing is, you know, sellers who go to market on themselves by themselves or go with other brokers and who put a higher price on it. The unfortunate reality is there's not a lot of people out there looking to over, overpay for a business. Um, you know, the, the, over the last 20 years, the Internet has really uh, helped uh, buyers become much more educated. Uh, much more sophisticated in buying businesses, and so they know what they're worth. And there's always also the double check of the bank, right? I mean, you know, uh, we, we we can put a higher price on a business, and maybe we find a buyer that says, yeah, I'll pay that. But when they go to the bank, the bank's going to come back right. and go, no, that's not going to happen. So uh, pricing it right is, is, is the number one goal, I think, of every seller. you gotta you got to be in the ballpark on day one. You know, and, and we like to tell people, look, we want to be – we got to have that reasonableness to it, but we want to be on the high side side of reasonable, that's going to help our seller clients maximize their value. So, Terry, does the franchise or get involved at all in the evaluation or the sales process, um, or is that something that you just take over? So it's a great question, and, and again, it's different for every franchise. Um, there are some franchises out there that have their own internal franchise resales programs, and they're intimately involved in the process. There are other franchisors that say, you know what, that is kind of a conflict of interest. You know, uh, it, it's very difficult to to be completely neutral in a sale, right? In a in a sure. resale. Um, mm-hmm. So the franchisor, you know, has to ask themselves, who are we going to be loyal to here? Are we going to be loyal to the seller who's been our franchisee for 20 years? Or are we going to be loyal to the buyer who's going to be our franchisee right. for the next 20 years, right? right? So a lot of franchisors look at it and go, you know what, we, 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 we just can't get involved in, in helping them price the business or sell the business. And so they look to have resources that they can point their franchisees to, like the mm-hmm. Sunbelt Franchise Resales Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but franchisors will always be involved once we find the buyer because, again, they got to put the buyer through their own paces, make sure it's the right fit for them. And they got right of first refusal in many cases, too. Um, so they can, you know, they can basically say, no, we're not going to sell to that person uh, or not allow that person to, have the, to, to, to assume the franchise rights for that location. So the franchisor is always involved when there's a buyer. Uh, but like I said, some are much more involved in the front end than others. Do you ever see where the franchisor says, hey, I think we'll take this as a company store? Absolutely, um, and and you know it's not it's not a it's it's not a, a, as I look at my database of, of franchise customers right now, uh, we've only got about I don't know ten or fifteen that have corporate stores. 
mm-hmm. but some of them are very active in the marketplace. Um, they they they're looking to add to their their corporate store portfolio. And like I said, most franchisors have in their franchise agreements with their franchisees what's called a right of first refusal, meaning mm-hmm. if we bring a buyer to the table with a bona fide offer, the franchisor has the right to match that offer and buy the business themselves. Mm-hmm. And every franchise typically puts that right of first refusal in their contract, even ones that don't have any corporate stores or never going to have any corporate stores, but they want that option for themselves. But for the franchisors that are in the corporate store game, um, you know that, that option comes into play a lot, and uh, they'll, they'll end up buying the, the unit directly from the franchisee. Wow. Terry, this is fascinating, but I need to take a quick commercial break. But I tell you what, I know that my listeners are like me. We love stories. Do you happen to have any stories you could share when we come back from break? Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, folks, we're going to be right back with more from Terry Kelm after this commercial break. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey, folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here. My guest today is Terry Kelm, and he is with Sunbelt Business Brokers, and we are talking about franchise resales. Now, when I broke from com- for commercial break, Terry, I asked if you happen to have some stories that you could share with us. Well, in my uh, my 20-year history of uh, doing this, uh, I actually have uh, way too many stories for, for the, the 45 minutes or so that we have today. But I wanted to share one that just happened uh, earlier this month because I just think it's a, it's a terrific testament not only to, uh, to the seller uh, of the business, but also just to franchising, I, I think, in general and the opportunity that it affords uh, people. Um, we had sold a business. Uh, it was a service business in uh, in Colorado. I'll, I'll, I'll tell the state without giving away anything else. But we had sold this business uh, uh, four years ago in Colorado for about four hundred thousand uh, dollars. It was three ninety five actually, and the, and and the business was good. It was it was a decent business. It was uh, making a nice little income from for the uh, for the owner. Uh, they were retiring. 
and the buyer bought the business, and the buyer had a plan, and the plan was, I'm going to take this thing, and I think there's a lot of opportunity that this can happen with this business, and I'm going to run it very, very well and very, very hard, and my goal is to be out within five years. Mm. And they actually got out in four, and they sold the business for $800,000. So in in a four-year turnaround, if you will, uh, they basically doubled the price of the business. Um, And it's very difficult to look at, especially what the, you know, the stock market's been like here the last 10 years, or the last five years, I should say. Uh, It's very difficult to find any investment opportunity out there uh, where you know you could, you know, you could have that kind of impact and double your money in in, in four years. And and look, it's not, it's not always the case, right? But what, what I love about franchise and what I love about this industry of, of selling businesses is, you know, we're there. It's a, you know, we make a living from it, and it's, it's nice to, you know, to get paid. But there's a there's a residual benefit that comes to helping people, right? We in every transaction, we're we're helping two people. We're helping the owners transition out, and we're and we're providing an opportunity for somebody to come in, live the dream as an entrepreneur, the American dream, and you know, and take the business to the next level. And and you know, we we did study uh, a few years back at Sunbelt Franchise Resales. I had uh, uh, a handful of our best franchisors participated in the study, and they provided us with the revenues for uh, businesses for the two years prior to when it was sold, and then for the revenues two years after it was sold. Mm-hmm. And Linda, the average increase in those units the first year was 22%. So buyers coming in who are energized, capitalized, and, and ready to just fully embrace the franchise experience. And they're typically, again, where they're buying businesses from someone who may have been in there for 30 years. They got a little tired down the stretch. Uh, you know, maybe something happened, like you said, their health deteriorated or they went through a divorce or a death in the family and they just kind of lost focus off the business, took their foot off the pedal a little bit. And when the new buyer came in, they just got jumped on the gas pedal right back on really hard and they saw dramatic results. And so, you know, I just love those type of stories. I see those a lot where people are able to really transform a business in a short amount of time and, and, and really get a great return on their investment. You know, Terry, what's interesting is that um, when someone is buying a resale, they are already seeing that someone had an exit strategy. And that's why they're able to purchase a business because someone else had an exit strategy. Maybe it was forced upon them. Maybe they had it planned all along. But the example that you gave, this person stepped into this transaction with a goal, with an exit strategy. And they weren't just looking at it as a way to create a paycheck for themselves and their family. No, they had a, they they like you said they had a plan, uh, and they, and they really felt that this opportunity was going to allow them to to completely you know get a get a maximize the return on their investment, and really make a nice return on their money far more than they would ever make in any other investment, right? And they mm-hmm. they played it to the they played it to out to to perfect uh, perfection, and uh, really uh, you know uh, like I said it's not all that easy, and I'm sure there was a lot of hard work in in between, mm-hmm. but um, you know they they had a five year goal, they did it four and you know more power to them i just 
I just love those type of stories, and I and I love the fact that you know that buyer bought the business through you know the Sunbelt office there in, in Colorado, right. and and they came back to us to sell it, um, which is a mm-hmm. testament to that to that Sunbelt office and how they handle their business. So, it's just one of those stories that uh, you know even though it just happened, it's one that uh, I'll be recounting for years because it just sticks with you when some when everything goes right for everybody, the first seller, the second you know, the buyer, the second seller, et cetera. It's just it's just such a great success story, and that you know and that's really what franchising is. I mean, franchising is the you know the little engine that could. You know that you preach it every day, um, and it, and it provides just for so many people in so many different ways. And it's just uh, it's a very when you when you see those type of stories, it's just very very heartwarming and very cool industry to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Terry, we're getting closer to the end of the show, but um, what is if somebody is listening, whether it's a franchisor whether it's a franchisee that wants to sell their business, or maybe it's somebody that's listening thinking, you know, I've never thought about purchasing a franchise resale. How would they get in touch with you? How would they find out more information? Yeah, great question, and I appreciate giving the opportunity. So uh, I'll give you my, uh, my toll-free number is 888-484-0332, and you can also reach me via email, and that's Terry. T-E-R-R-Y-K-E-L-M at SFR, Sunbelt Franchise Resales Abbreviated, SFRresales.com. And we also have a website, and that is SFRresales.com. So you can go with, uh, go to the website. There's lots of different resources there. And, of course, you can uh, you can uh, hit a button to be contacted by us, and we'll reach out to you. And, you know, I tell everybody, too, conversations are free. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, whether you're thinking about it or just, just been kicking it around or just want to just want to ask a few specific questions, I'll be glad to answer those and just give me a call or drop me an email and we can we can start from there. Wonderful. So we're down to those final three questions. The first one is, if there is someone listening and they're considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? Uh, I think it, I think whether you're going to start uh, or you're going to look at buying a new franchise or an existing business, I think it starts with that conversation I just mentioned. Um, you know, if you're if you're predisposed that you want to buy a a new franchise business, uh, there is a a wonderful profession out there called franchise consulting. Uh, these people are free to the buyers. Uh, they do not charge them any money, and you can you can call a franchise consultant and and get just inundated with as much information as you want, and and get introduced to some really solid franchise concepts. And again, they'll help you match up uh, those concepts with your lifestyle goals, your passions, your skill sets, your financial capabilities, um, and and that's all free uh, for, for for the buyer. So if you're looking at a new franchise, uh, call a franchise consultant. If you're thinking about a franchise resale, call a business broker, call the local Sunbelt in your office and just have a conversation. Again, we don't typically charge uh, buyers. Um, you know, we usually are working for the sellers in the, in the transaction, but we'll be glad to answer questions and get the buyer started and, and, and again, show them some things, uh, some bi- uh, business opportunities that, again, we think are going to meet their their lifestyle, their financial capabilities, their, their skill sets. Um, so all of that is at no cost to the buyer. So, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a, if you've never done it before, starting a business or buying a business is a, is a, is a daunting process. It can be overwhelming. Uh, there's lots of moving parts, but there's lots of resources out there in, in the forms of consultants or business brokers that you can have conversations with and, and they'll help you go down that path. And usually it's for no, for no cost. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it is, 
very overwhelming. It is not like purchasing a home. There are a right. lot of other things that that you have to take into consideration when you're purchasing a business. So the second question here is, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? Oh, great, great question. Um, you know, one is, one is you have to, you know, even though you're going to be entrepreneurial, you have to agree or in your mind know that you're going to have to follow a system to a degree, right? Uh, it, it really is crazy to me that people buy into a franchise system and then just go rogue right away. Um, franchising is successful because of the systems and the procedures that have been put in place. And those, those systems and policies and procedures typically have been, you know, have been gleaned over time, right? They've been time tested. Uh, they were they were you know they were uh, perfected and, and and materialized from uh, you know others before you years before you who uh, you know who, who put those uh, those things things in place. Um, so you got to be you got to embrace that. Um, you know uh, if if you don't if you are completely 100% entrepreneurial and you do not want to follow a system, do not buy a franchise business. Uh, you know franchising is for someone who who says look. I, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be in business for myself, but I don't want to be in business by myself. Mm-hmm. So you got to you got to be willing to follow the system. Uh, the second thing is is uh, you know you got to have a work ethic still. Um, you know mm-hmm. even even for the businesses that are you know that for some franchises tout as semi absentee. I, I, I make no, uh, I pull no punches with buyers. Uh, owning a business is hard work. I don't care if it's an independent or a franchise, if it's an absentee ownership or if it's uh, day-to-day uh, operations. It, it, it involves time. And so you've got to have that work ethic. You've got to have that drive. And if you have it, I think franchising gives you an unbelievable opportunity to be successful, um, you know, far more than if you open up a business by yourself on an independent business. Um, but you've got to work at it. It's, it it, it, there's no free lunch. We all know that. Um, so you, you just got to make sure you put your nose to the grindstone and follow the system, and I think you'll be in really good shape. It's, it's interesting, Terry, because I don't put, hold any punches back either when I talk to someone that's looking at it. I say it's not for the faint at heart. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and just because you hang out a shingle that has a brand on it that people recognize that does not mean that you are going to have a line of people the first day you open waiting to give you money. There's still work to be done to generate that, um, that, that revenue, and that doesn't fall all on the franchisor. 100% agree with you, Linda. Yeah. So the final question here is, what does the future of franchising look like? Well, I'm, uh, you know, franchise is in my is in my company name, so I'm obviously mm-hmm. biased. But uh, I still think franchising. Uh, I'm still really, really bullish on the industry. Um, you know, I, I know there's some challenges, uh, especially from you know legal challenges. Uh, if you look at the state of California and things like that. But that withstanding, I, I still, you know, I still think the franchising model is the backdrop backbone of all small business in this country. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you when you look at um, you know the fact that there's over 800,000 franchise entities in the U.S. alone, and they you know they account for you know over 8 million people being employed. 
uh, and they bring in you know anywhere between 500 billion to 800 billion dollars in, in, in you know gross domestic product on an annual basis. Franchising is not going away. Um, it is. It has been the backbone of this company for for several decades. I think it's going to be the backbone of this country for for years to come. And you know, if you if you look at the International Franchise Association, some of their projections. I mean, they're they're showing modest growth for the next five years still. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, it's an industry that um, you know just doesn't seem to have a, an end, in my opinion. It's just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. Um, uh, it's going to go through some changes, obviously, um, you know, with the baby boomers, um, you know, they own a lot of businesses, um, and a lot of them are starting to, to retire, but I think that means there's a lot of opportunity, uh, for, you know, for future entrepreneurs. They're going to have the, they're going to have a lot of businesses to choose from, and they're going to have a lot of good businesses to choose from where they can step in, uh, have, make a decent living on day one, but also have that opportunity that we talked about to grow that business and, and increase that business. So, uh, I'm, uh, I'm super bullish. I, I, you know, like I said, I, it's a biased opinion. I, I don't, uh, I don't try to hide that, but, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I've, uh, the, I've been in this business for 20 years now, and I, I, I haven't seen it like this in those 20 years. I just think the next 10 to 15 years is going to be an amazing time for franchises, especially for franchise resales. Yeah, I agree with you, Terry, on that, because I do believe that we are seeing more and more industries embrace that franchise business model. And that's for no a question. reason. That's for a reason, you know. Absolutely. Uh, industries that we all we never considered um, being duplicatable the way a franchise duplicates a brand, and uh, we're seeing um, very unique business concepts out there, and I love that. And I and I'm going to uh, say also that on the buyer side of things, we're seeing higher net worth individuals embrace yep. the franchise model, right? Yeah. Uh, my favorite example, this happened like five or six years ago here up in, uh, in Minnesota where I, I, I know the, uh, the Minneapolis Sunbelt office people pretty well. They had a lottery winner. Uh, they, I think they won $22 million, and that guy came in to buy a franchise business. And yeah. they like, like, wow, you can do whatever you want with that money. He's like, he's like, I don't want to build from scratch. I, I want the systems and the support. Um, you know, even yeah. though I have this money, I, I, I want to be, be careful with it, right? So we're seeing a lot more high net worth individuals, a lot more, you know, really sharp business people who, you know, could build their own business, but they're embracing the franchise model because yeah. it works. It just yeah. plain works. Yeah, exactly. So the guy with 22 million, he certainly had the money that he could lose on learning how to do how to build a business, but he opted not to. That was a smart move. 100%. Yep. And and to me it was a very telling tale that the, you know that franchising is for even for the most savvy business people and for the people that have a lot of money, um, you know, franchising franchising is 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 for everybody. And as you mentioned, more and more industries getting in, more and more franchise opportunities getting in and bigger bigger uh you know more more uh high high net worth individuals more sharp people again that's just another you know couple reasons why i'm just so bullish on the industry i just think it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow yeah most definitely terry we're at the end of the show here one more time if somebody is wanting more information about the work that you do or how they can work with you how would they get in touch with you and find out more 888 
484-0332 is my toll-free number, and our website is www.sfrresales.com. Wonderful. Terry, thanks so much for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate your insight, your expertise. Uh, I have a page full of notes here, that's for sure. But I appreciate <laughs> you being on the show, and I look forward to following you. Linda, thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity today. Thank you. Absolutely. So, folks, you know, as you heard, there are a lot of different ways to get into franchising, um, buying a startup, so to speak, uh, purchasing a territory, and but there's also that opportunity of buying an existing franchise, one that's had its doors open, one that is generating revenue. And that's something that Terry with Sunbelt, Sunbelt Business Built Brokers does. Uh, as always, I'm leaving you with a quote. This is a quote by a motivational speaker, Kevin Donaldson. I wasn't familiar with his work. So the quote goes like this, as much as you might love running your business, you must have an end goal in in the plan. Remember, that's in the story that Terry told us about the guy that purchased the business. He had a goal in mind. He had a plan. At the very least, an exit strategy keeps you from turning your business into a glorified job. And I think I mentioned that if you don't have an end game, if you don't have a goal, it is just you've purchased yourself a job. Nothing wrong with that, but just know that if you don't have a plan, you may be just exchanging a corporate check from uh, um, a, your business. Nothing more than that. Folks, thanks so much for being with me today on All Things Franchising, and we'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising. <laughs>